Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Judges, please, chapter number 13. Book of Judges tonight, chapter number 13. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Judges, chapter number 13. Appreciate each one of you being here tonight. Appreciate the good song service, freshness, the touch of the Holy Ghost. Appreciate old-time religion, people that are not ashamed to worship the Lord and express their feelings of gratitude in whatever way the Lord might move them to do it. Uh, somebody said, well, I don't shout like others, but don't knock it till you've tried it. Amen, brother. I mean, if you've never tried it, don't knock it. And uh, some people cry, some people laugh. I've seen people get the holy giggles, and I've seen others cut out, you know, and run and shout, and I just like it however God wants to bring it. And I like people that are not afraid to express themselves in spiritual worship. Tonight, the book of Judges, chapter number 13, verse 1. Would you stand with me, please, as we read tonight? Judges, chapter 13, verse number 1. The Bible said, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and bearest not. But thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. No razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now look down at verse number 24, same chapter, verse 13. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. I want to preach tonight from out of the life of Samson, as the Lord will help us tonight and use this as a text for the service tonight, the message tonight, on Samson as a type of the church. Samson as a type of the church. Well, let's bow for another moment of prayer, please. Our Father, we bow before you tonight, Lord, thanking you for the day and your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of thy word now. And I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our mind and loose our tongue. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be our portion tonight. Lord, that you might use us to be a vessel, to be a channel, Lord, that you might speak to your people tonight. Oh, dear God, may you make the message real, and Lord, may it reach the hearts of men and women, boys and girls tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd lay a demand of repentance at our heart's door. Lord, show us our need tonight. Show us our slothfulness, and show us where we're at, Lord, and what we need tonight from you. And I pray tonight that you'd receive glory to your name. Lord, thank you for each one now that's come this way. Bless tonight. Give the invitation, Lord, as you know there's need. And we'll praise you and bless you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. Please keep your Bibles open as we'll be using them tonight. Looking at this message on Samson as a picture and a type of the church. Now, you know from studying your Bible that there's many types of the church to be found. In the Old Testament, Eve is a beautiful picture of the church as she was taken from out of the side of Adam and God took that rib and he made the woman and brought her unto the man. And Eve's a beautiful picture of the church. 
I like to study from the book of Ruth and Ruth, the Moabitess damsel, and how she married Boaz, and how that Ruth is a beautiful picture and a type of the church. But tonight, I want us to look at Samson, and Samson's life in light of him as the type of the church. You say, now, preacher, wait a minute, I've read my Bible, and I've studied the lives of Samson, I don't see how in the world that, that he can be classified and typed out as the picture of the church. Well, let me finish tonight, and I'll let you draw the conclusion after we preach this message, and we can see tonight the typology, how Samson is a type both of the church of yesterday and the church of today. The old-time church of yesterday, and then the modern Laodicea church of the hour that we're now in. Look back with me, if you will, in Judges chapter 13 and verse number 5. The Bible said, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Now here we see that Samson is a type of the church in that he was set apart from his conception, set apart from his birth to represent God in the nation of Israel. We understand how that Samson was a judge in the nation of Israel. There's more said about Samson than any of the other judges. There's two chapters devoted to Deborah. There's three chapters devoted to Gideon. But there's four chapters in the Holy Word of God that are devoted to the life of Samson. From his very birth, he was set apart to represent God in the nation of Israel. Now, is that not the ministry of the church? I mean, is not the church, the ecclesia, the called out, born again, baptized believers, are they not to represent God in the world? Is that not our job on a daily basis? Paul said, now then ye are ambassadors, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be you reconciled unto God. We're ambassadors. We represent heaven, and we're God's mouthpiece. We're God's hands. We're God's feet. We're the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Samson was to represent God in the nation of Israel. He was the spokesman for God. They looked to Samson for a word from heaven. But then notice Samson's message, if you will, in verse 5. The Bible said, And he shall begin to deliver Israel from out of the hands of the Philistines. Samson's message and ministry was one of deliverance. I hear a lot about deliverance preaching today. Well, Samson's message was a message of deliverance. He was to deliver Israel from out of the bondage of the Philistines. I want to say tonight that the church of the living God tonight has the message the world needs to hear. And it's deliverance through the blood and the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the living Word, brother, to resurrect a dead sinner, to save them, to change their lives. The church has the message tonight. We have that message. 
Oh, yes, I know there's much social, social gospel being preached and, and man-made synthetic uh, uh, gospel being handed out across the nation. Uh, but the church of the living God still has the message uh, for lost men, women, boys, and girls. Uh, I believe the church has the message uh, for man's moral need, spiritual need, uh, economic need. I believe the church, uh, the Bible, brother, has the message. It has the message. You see, Samson was set apart to represent God. May I say tonight that I believe in positional sanctification. I believe when you get saved and born again, that immediately you have been set apart unto God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, that by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ that once and for all. When I got saved and born again, I was sanctified, brother. I was set apart unto God. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. We're to be separated as holy people unto God. May I say salvation without holiness, a message of salvation without holiness is simply a holy mess in this hour. That's what it's creating, a holy mess. Listen, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse number 11, uh, Paul talks about, uh, be not deceived. He said, uh, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate. Uh, that means men with female characteristics. Uh, that means men that are soft. Uh, and then he said, abusers of themselves with mankind. Uh, let me back up there just a minute. Uh, I see some of these boys in this hour, uh, and they're trying to dress just as close to the world as they can get. Uh, I mean, kind of look lacy looking, you know. Uh, no grit, no backbone. Uh, you moose on the hair, you know, and, and stylish God help you. And, hey, boys, y'all don't want to look like men and smell like men and act like men. Amen. The effeminate are not going to heaven, the Bible said. The abuser themselves with mankind. Then he goes on and he said, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. When you get saved, if you were an abuser of yourself with mankind, if a homosexual, if a sodomite ever gets saved, they get out of that wicked business. They get out of that, brother. They repent of that sin. And they get out of it. Oh, yes, he said, and such were some of you, but you have been washed. But you have been justified, and you have been sanctified. You've been set apart unto God if you've been saved. Positional sanctification. But then may I hasten to say I believe in practical sanctification. Progressive sanctification. Did not the Bible say the path of the justice has a shining light that, that shineth more and more, not less and less, that, but more and more under that day. The path of the justice has a shining light that, that shineth more and more, brother, not less and less. Since you've been saved and born again, you ought to be growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, becoming more like Him, desiring to be conformed to the image of Christ. I meet people that were more sanctified the day they got saved than 25 years down the road. Hey, friend, it ought not work like that. But day by day and week by week and month by month, as God works with us, and we begin to lay aside besetting weights and sins of the flesh and the habits, we lay them aside. 
those things that does so easily beset us. I'm talking, I'm talking about practical sanctification, progressive sanctification. But then notice something else. Let me go a little further. Here in this message, in Gen look at Judges chapter 13, verse 25. Now, Samson's the type of the church here in that he was set apart to do a work for God. You see, he was a Nazarite. He had a Nazarite valve upon his life. If you'll study the book of Numbers, chapter number 6, you'll find all about that. He was to be disciplined in his appetite. He was to be different in his appearance and distinctive in his associations. He was separated unto God. Now, look at this in verse 25. Judges chapter 13, verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan uh, between Zorah and Estrelo. Uh, here you find Samson is the type of the church uh, in that he was moved on by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, and I'm talking about really the, today's church in some situations, uh, but the old time church of yesterday uh, that knew what it was to be guided by the Holy Ghost. Uh, didn't know anything much about a program and a plan. All they knew was to have a time to start and wait on God and finish up when God got through. You know, I'm glad I've lived long enough and was raised in an old-time Holy Ghost atmosphere. You say, preacher, now wait a minute. No, you wait a minute, friend. I'm glad I know a little bit about what old-time religion's about. I was raised in the Holy Ghost atmosphere. I've never seen nobody slain in the Spirit, but I've seen a few saints overtaken by the Spirit. I've seen them shout till they pass out. You say, now, wait a minute, preacher. No, you wait a minute. I've seen old-fashioned godly saints of God. I've seen them little old women get up, button-up shoes, old-timey long dresses, hair up in a bun. I've seen them shout till they pass out. Do a little holy dance, a little two-step for Jesus. I can see Sister Juanita Lowe right now. She's in heaven. Many of a day I'd go over there to visit her and preach her low. They never had no children, had a four-room house. He had everything he had wheeled to Brother Roloff. I'd go over there as a young preacher and take some tapes. And I had a little tape ministry, shut-in ministry. I'd pull in there. The door never was locked. In the summertime, they had that old screen door. I'd pull up in that yard many of a day and heard something about like this. I said, Lord, she's left the eye on the kitchens are burning down. I'd run in, preacher low, and done had both legs amputated. And he was sitting there in his recliner, had that big old New Testament roll-off Bible, and he would be a reading to Sister Low, and here she'd go, just shouting through the house, room to room to room. Wasn't shouting about a brand new car, never had one. Wasn't shouting about a brand new house, never had one. Was shouting about the lovely Lamb of God that died at Calvary. I mean, shouting about a mansion over in heaven, brother. I'm talking about old-time religion. I've seen it. I've lived long enough. Glad I was raised in that kind of atmosphere. Oh, yes. But now notice in Judges chapter number 14, verse 6. The Bible said, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And it was there in Judges 14 where Samson rent that line. You remember the young lion roared out against him that him there. He grabbed that line and rolled him as he would have rid a kid and thrown him aside. I see Samson back up and he looks at that line. He looks at his hands. He looks at heaven. Hey, Samson knew it was God. I don't believe Samson was a great big giant of a man. I believe he was just a normal sized man. But the mighty feats that he done were done through the power of the Spirit of God. 
Oh, do you remember? Hey, that line typifies something. That, that line typifies the devil, brother, right? who walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Right? Samson didn't back down from him. Right? He rent him as he would have rent a tear. Right? I remember a day when the church didn't back down right? from the roaring of the lion. Right? They didn't back down, brother, right? They get on their knees and pray to heaven right? and get a hold of God. God would move. The Bible never told you to flee from the devil. He said, you draw now to God and he'll draw now to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. That's what the book says. Notice now in Judges 14, 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And it was there that he slew 30 men barehanded down in Ashton. He slew 30 men there. Can you imagine? 30 men barehanded Samson that destroyed them. Now, you might have been in the Green Beret. You might have been a Navy SEAL. I mean, you might have been in the Special Forces. I've met some men that thought they could whip maybe five or ten. But I ain't never met a man that whipped 30 men, brother, not at one time. I ain't never met that man. Now, you may have been drunk enough, and you may have been high enough that you thought you could, but you ain't never met nobody could whip 30 men at one time. But Samson, brother, with the power of God, that slew 30 men. But notice a little further, Judges 15, 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, Judges 15, 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. It was there that they had him bound. And he broke those little chains of slender. He reached down and grabbed the new jawbone of an ass, the Bible said. The new jawbone of a donkey. Did you know that donkey died in the perfect will of God? He had more sense than some Baptist I know. He didn't die a mile up the road or a mile down the road. He died right where God wanted him. And the vultures had done come and picked his carcass clean. And Samson reached down and grabbed that jawbone, a new jawbone. And, buddy, he began to wade through them. He slew a thousand men. I mean, heap upon heap, Samson said. I've slain a thousand men. And I believe them that wasn't dead played dead. Amen, brother. You talk about a one-man Rambo. I've heard a lot about this guy Rambo. Well, Samson, brother, I was a mighty man that slew a thousand. Slew a thousand. Got through with it. Took the jawbone of that old donkey. Renewing drink. Oh, yes, Brother Samson's a type of the church. He was moved on by the Spirit of God. Oh, listen. I, my granddaddy was an old white-headed Baptist preacher. Didn't know much about an outline. Didn't know much about eschatology, anthropology, soteriology. He didn't know nothing about all that. 
All he knew was heaven was hot and heaven was, hell was hot, heaven was sweet, eternity was long. And, and they told me he used to roll up his sleeves and, and he was wide-headed and walking about four inches of his britchy legs. And, see where I came from, brother, right? out of East Tennessee on Monday morning. If you was a preacher and you could talk, right? you was backslid. Amen. Right? They believed you ought to preach or you couldn't hardly talk. Right? And I'd hear them old time, I'd hear them old timers getting that deep breath. Right? I mean, they called them hacking preachers. They asked old Brother Burman Cape one time, right? they said, why are you one of them wind suckers? Right? He said, because I like to suck wind. Right? Old Brother Burman gets to preaching. I've seen them old timers cut their hands and right? put that hand behind that ear. Right? Brother, I mean preaching like a windmill. Amen. Hey, they knew the Bible. They didn't know a lot about that Bible doctrine. They didn't know a lot about a lot of things. But they knew how to get a hold of God in prayer. And they knew how to preach until it would penetrate down in your soul. Them old men of God look like they can look right down in your heart. Look like they can look right through you, brother. As there's a preaching with the power of God. Holy Ghost didn't make it so real to your heart. Oh, yes. Samson was moved on by the power of God. Amen. I get in some of these churches. If the power of God ever broke out, it'd scare them to death. They talk about the Holy Ghost. They wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if they met him on Market Street. He'd scare them to death, brother. I'm telling you. Oh, you say, now, preacher, I believe everything ought to be done decently in order. Why don't you get out in the graveyard somewhere? Everything's about decent and in as order as you can get it out there. Don't believe in getting excited. I don't believe you know in getting happy. Oh, no, no, no. But anywhere else but the church you do. A ball game, a soccer game, I mean a stock car race, or something else out yonder. I'm not an emotional creature, preacher. I'm just not all that emotional. We'll let you win a $1,000 sweepstakes. Let somebody present you the keys to a brand new Mercedes Benz and see how emotional you get. Oh, you said, but preacher, I'm not just, oh, wait a minute. I'll tell you what. I, this, is a, this is an odd combination to me. A beautiful, elaborate, I mean, I can't get over the splendor of this building. And an old-time atmosphere. Praise God. That's a rare combination in 1991. You just don't see much of that. I mean, nice, plush carpet, that beautiful pews, and I mean, the white colonial look at all of this. And man, that ceiling, that had an old-time Holy Ghost atmosphere. You know what? I believe I've seen some of you about following the Not by might nor by spirit, but by my power, saith the Lord. Oh, you see, Samson was the type of the church of yesterday and that he was led by the Spirit of God, moved on by the Spirit of God. Now watch this. It's going to change dramatically now. It's going to change. Look with me in Judges 16, verse number 1. We're going to bring you down to where we're living now. In Judges 16, verse 1, the Bible said, Then, then went Samson to gaze, and he saw there a harlot, and he went into her. This is sad now. Here's the man of God. Here's the one God. He set aside as a judge, a representative, a spokesman. And Samson goes into a harlot. He saw there a harlot and he went into her. 
You know what I see here? There's real, all kind of ramifications here. But I see this world council of churches. I see the ecumenical movement. I mean all running back to the mother of harlots. Running back to Rome, brother. Running back. Hey, that's what we're seeing going on in a lot of denominations, in a lot of places. They're going back to the harlots. Going back to Mother Rome. The whore of all whores. Mother Rome. There's Samson. See, he went to that harlot. He began to take for granted his position and his power and his privilege to represent God. Look at Judges 16, 4. The Bible said it came to pass afterward. After that he'd had this fling with this harlot, the Bible said it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Zorix whose name was Delilah. Now here we see Samson is the type of the church in that he began to flirt with the world. He began to compromise his convictions, if you will. He began to break the Nazarite vow. Yes, sir, little by little he began to do that. He went to that dead animal. He took the honey out of the carcass of that line. Did you know the Bible said a Nazarite was not to come and to come in contact with no dead body? Samson had already begun to take liberties on God. Now here he is. He's gone into a harlot. Now he sees a woman in the valley of Zorix whose name is Delilah. The word Delilah means the longing one or the enticing one. Would you let me just dramatize this for a minute, just kind of show you what I think? I see Samson coming into town now. Fame's got out. He's been, he, this notoriety's got out, and everybody's heard about Samson. He comes walking down in the valley of Zorix, and maybe up on the casement of the house or the battlement of that house, I see a woman. I see a woman by the name of Delilah. I can see her, you know, she's a picture and a type of the world. Delilah is the type of the world. And she looks down and Samson comes walking in. Can I bring it down to 1991? I see his hair cutting his ears about right into it. He has a little gold chain about his neck. And he wears one on his wrist. He comes walking in. His shirt's unbuttoned about two buttons. And he's just conservative enough to blend in with so-called conservatives. And yet he's liberal enough to fit in with all the liberals. And he looks up and she said, hey, big boy. Hey, Samson, I've heard about you. I've heard about your mighty feet. And the Bible said he began to love a woman in the valley of Zorix. His name was Delilah. He began to flirt with the world. You know what's happened to us over the past years? You know what's begun to happen? I see more and more of it. We begin to compromise our convictions. We begin to lower our standards. And we have begun to flirt with the world. Now, I mean, I don't believe Samson just overnight had an illicit relationship with Delilah. But just little by little, you know, kind of holding hands with her and maybe putting his arm around her, you know, and he begins to flirt with her. A lot of that flirtation going on tonight among God's people with the world. I tell you, I was in a church here a while back. I was going to preach in Alabama. I couldn't get there in time for the Sunday night, Sunday morning service. I wasn't supposed to be there on Sunday night. So I was coming in through there, and I saw a church. It had a church sign, Baptist church. I pulled in. I, I mean, I just run in right at church time, sit on the back, and this man was supposed to be the pastor, and I never seen such a mess in all my life. And they had two ushers come down there. Them boys looked like they had haircuts with a weed eater. Now, I, listen, if they're lost and they come in or they're just backslidden and sit back there, that's all right with me. 
but they ain't nobody got no business taking up money, God's money, and looking like they had a haircut with a weed eater. I mean, just whap, whap, whap. And they had about 14 different colored shoe strings in their tennis shoes and the tongues are hanging out. I never seen such a weird looking thing in all my life. And they called it a Baptist church. And they were flirt. Hey, you could see how they begin to flirt with the world. You see, we're trying to use the world's methods and the world's attractions to do the work of God. And it'll never work. Never has, never will. Never will. Bible said in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? The Bible said, Come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch you not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Oh, he talks about us being a separate people, a holy people. You know, you get to preaching on old time, a holiness. Boy, it scares Baptists. It begins to scare Baptists. Did you know the Bible said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord? I know that's talking about imputed holiness. I know that. But I'll tell you, I believe there's another ramification of that. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I mean here, that manifestation of God's power, the holding the Lamb of God in a service. If you don't live holy, you desire to live righteously. This generation wants to see how close they can live to the world and still have a touch with God. That's it. Oh, yes. Now, just hang on. You might as well fashion your seatbelts here, here, and you might as you may, you may endure to the, if you endure to the end, you may be saved from this meeting. If you endure to the end of this message, you may be saved from this meeting. He began to flirt with the world. Never seen like what we're seeing in our hour today. All kinds of compromises, convictions. Now, I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm not trying to fuss at you. But I'm telling you, folks, we, we've, that old slogan you see sometimes out there, and it has that old girl out there with a Virginia Slim cigarette in her mouth, and the caption says, you've come a long way, baby. I'm going to tell you something. The church has come a long way from the old-time ancient landmarks. That's the truth. You see, I still believe that men and women ought to dress like men and women. I still believe that. I'm not fussing at you. My mother, she's 62 years old, will be her birthday. My mother, I've never seen my mother in anything but a skirt and a blouse and a dress ever since I was a little bitty boy. My mother's worked secular jobs since Dad passed away. She, she mows the grass in modest. She knows how to do it modestly. She even paints the side of her house. I mean, listen, and she works and she wears a dress. One couple of the jobs, she could have got a little better paying job, but they said, you got to wear this pantsuit, Miss Seaton. She said, nothing doing. I don't wear pants. She said, I'm a Christian lady. But you know what? Boy, folk frown on that today. You know, they'll say, now, Granny, you know this is 1991. Don't go around looking like an old granny. Don't. They try to get you to change. See? They put the pressure on you. Put the pressure on you. They, they, they think we're crazy at our house. See, when we married, I told my wife, Barbara, we sat down and done a lot of talking about things. I said, now, honey, you know, I have some convictions and, and I have some standards and I want you to know about them. And uh, I said, uh, you know the dress code? She had that all down pat and everything. We, we had all that straight right now to start with. You see, if you don't start something, you don't have to stop it. See, my little girl, Rebecca, she's never had on anything but a little skirt. And my little boy, Jonathan, he's never had on anything but britches. He's a G.I. Joe boy, and she's a little Barbie doll girl. I mean, she likes the dolls, and he likes... He, he climbs the trees, and, and, and I mean shooting guns and, and all this stuff. I want, I got him some boxing gloves the other day, daddy's boxing gloves. 
and the boys boxing gloves. And son, he brought the first blood. Did you know that little Yahoo? He was six years old. Was down there boxing, going at it, slugging. I mean, I let him hit me, and I was a punching him pretty hard. And I turned my head on that dude, and he come running and head butted me, and blood just went to point. He jumped up and down. Said, "I brought the first blood, Daddy." I like, hey, he's a boy, wanting to be a boy. Not a little old whip. Not a sissified looking little cinnamon tart walking around in this world. Amen. They think we're weird sitting out at our house. 1991, you know. We don't have television. We ain't never had a television. And they said, great day. You, you live in a different planet. What's wrong with you? Well, we've done pretty good. Oh, hey, Brother Roloff could preach that and get by with it. But unless Roloff could preach against that thing, he said the three greatest uh, dangers in this world. Uh, he, he, he's talked about uh, rock and roll music and, and television and, and perverted Bibles. Well, they'd bite him to every major conference in America. But you let some of us cornbread preachers, they think, preach like that. Oh, you're just a novice. You don't know nothing. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I believe, I believe with all of my heart that one of the greatest greatest detriments to the church, one of the greatest hindrances to revival and, and the freshness of God is that thing called television. Now I'll not say no more about it the rest of the week. I don't ride it as a hobby horse. But brother, the devil, listen to me, we have so been led astray by this. Little by little by little by little. I don't want to get caught. I don't, if, you don't, if you look like that, I may stay here all night. You better get to smiling. I'll move on. I remember I'd done some studying about that thing. Do you know when? Did you know back there years ago when they had I Love Lucy, Desi Arnaz, and Lucille Ball? If they showed them in a bedroom scene years ago, they showed them in full-length pajamas and in separate beds. They wouldn't let them use the word pregnant on television for years. Did you know probably Walt Disney? You know, you do remember when Walt Disney was on, don't you? When was Walt Disney on television? Sunday night. At about what time? Seven o'clock. Where are most born again believers? Where are they at on Sunday night at seven o'clock? In the house of God. But now see, this wasn't some wicked, ungodly, perverted television program, but it was probably one of the nicest, you know, mildest things. That was to keep people out of the house of God. Little house on the prairie. It was on Wednesday night, about seven or eight o'clock. Do you think that's back to this? Do you not see the diabolical mind behind all of that? And now that thing will cuss. That thing will teach your children to cuss. How to use dope. How to rob banks. How to live wicked and ungodly. And we laugh about it. We laugh about it. And, hey, and just let it talk to us. One of the main leading preachers in our country back there in East Tennessee said, Brother Buster, if it takes people having to give up television, hey, he said, we'll never have revival in these last days. I believe it's the modern day bell. Well, let's narrow it down. How much time do you spend in front of it? How much time do you spend watching it in comparison to your prayer life and your Bible reading life? Can't even fellowship with your family. I've been in preacher's homes where they had four. I was in one preacher's home. He had four, and he had one in a study where everybody could just watch anything they wanted to watch. You couldn't hardly get nobody to talk. You see, we begin to flirt with the world. All kinds of things. One dear preacher said, we're so grounded to this world that the power of God ever did really fall electrocute us. 
they blow us up. We're so grounded to the world. I know this is not. I know this is not popular preaching. I know it. Now, but we said we wanted revival. You called me. I didn't call you. The pastor invited me, and he's lining up with what I'm saying. And you said you wanted revival. And hey, how about are you still willing to remove the stones? Are you still willing to remove the obstacles? How far are you really willing to go? Notice now Samson's the type of the church in that he fell asleep in the lap of Delilah. You know, she begins to torture him and vex him, the Bible says. She said, Samson, the, the Philistines hired her and said, you find out where his great power lies. Find out where his strength lies, Delilah, so that we can overtake him and bind him. And she begins to vex him and torture and torment him. She said, Samson, if you love me now, you'll tell me. Samson, if you love me, that's the world, see? That's the world coming to the church. Say, where's your power? Where's your power? Where's your power? See, Samson begins to flirt with her. And he said, now I'll tell you what, Delilah, if you let them take me and bind me with seven green whisks that were never dried, if you let them bind the seven locks of my hair, I'll be like all other men. I'll be like all other men. There's a danger of becoming like all other men. He begins to flirt with her. He was toying with her. And finally, she vexed him and she said, Samson, if you love me, you tell me. Samson said, Delilah, I've been a Nazarite under God for my mother's womb. I'm a separatist, Delilah. I've been separated under God. If you cut my hair, he said, I'll become as all other men. He told the secret of his strength, the vow separation, being separate under God. But she takes Samson. You know the story. She puts him in his, her lap and she begins to lull him to sleep. She begins to sing him a little lullaby. Samson falls asleep in the lap of Delilah. Is that not a picture of where most Christians are today? I mean, honest folk, I'm not trying to be mean or rude. I'm not trying to really just be offensive to you. But the, the truth is, I mean, the devil has lulled us to sleep. Lulled us to sleep. Where Samson was. He was uninterested. He was unaware of what was going on around him. And that's where the average church members at today. Just want to name the name and remain the same. Let me bear that name of Christian and remain the same. Look at verse number 20. And she said, Now for Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And Samson, and the Bible said, and he awoke out of his sleep. It's about time. Isn't it, a, isn't it sad that Delilah, the world, had to slap him awake and say, Samson, wake up! Isn't it amazing that a liberal Supreme Court, isn't it amazing that somebody like Madeline Marie O'Hara, a wicked atheist, has to slap the church awake and say the Philistines are upon you. The enemy's all around you. Notice now he awoke out of his sleep and watch this. And he said, I... I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wished not, the Bible said, that the Spirit, that the Lord was departed from him. Samson's the type of the church that he forfeited his power. He didn't even know it. He lost the touch of God and he didn't even know it. See, he began to take credit for what God had been doing in his life. 
You notice he said, I will arise and go out and shake myself. I mean, I see a man, I mean, just a regular sized man, he begins to flex his muscles. And, and what he's saying is, ah, I've been the one that's done it all along. I've taken the credit for what I've done. He robbed God of his glory. He robbed God of his glory. We're living in an hour when there's probably more men of God, more men of God are robbing God of his glory than any other generation. Man, they strut their stuff, and, 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 and I mean all their pictures and poetry. God help us! The glory is His and His alone. I mean, that's one of the reasons revival's not coming like it used to. He wished not that the Lord was departing from him. He didn't even know. He didn't even know. Forfeit his power. Look at verse number 21. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. You remember what happened at Gaza a few chapters back? It was at Gaza, brother, that he picked up those gates. And he picked up the doors and the posts. And he carried him out to the city of Hebron. They bring him back down. Now watch this. And they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with feathers of brass. Brass always speaks of judgment. Brazen altar, brazen serpent. They bound him with feathers of brass. Do you not see what the wicked world is doing to the church of the living God? They're binding us with feathers of brass. I can see Samson begin to try to jerk them loose and try to pull them apart. And he used to be able to do that. Now he can't do it. He don't have the power anymore. The Bible said he did grind in the prison house. And you see, Samson is the type of the church in a lot of areas. And that he lost his vision well, I remember as a young child going up to church, he used to have that old big family Bible. You remember they used to have that big old Bible? Had the colored pictures in it, right, right in the middle. Well, I remember as a little kid looking through that thing, and not always they'd have one in there, Samson. They had him down his knees, and they'd have a man with a red-hot poker. And that guy was coming at Samson's eyes to burn the eyes out of his head. I don't know how they done it, but I know they gouged the eyes out of Samson's head. They begin to scream, I can't see! I can't see! I'm blind! I'm blind. Isn't it amazing? Listen to this. Preacher, I don't see missions like I used to. I don't see revival like I used to. I don't see holiness like I used to. I, I don't see the things of God like I used to see them. I'll tell you where you've been laying your head. In the lap of Delilah. He lost his vision. Notice now he labors in the energy of the flesh. Did you get that? He labors. They bring him down to the prison house now. From what I've read, this was domestic animal work. To turn that big old wooden pillar-like thing. To grind the corn and stuff. And they tie Samson up to it now. And they crack the whip. They say, march, big boy. Turn it, Samson! Move out. Samson begins to push. And groan and moan. Push that thing. He's laboring in the energy of the flesh. It's hard work, isn't it? Hard work. Oh, Brother Sammy talks about that thing of laboring the energy of the flesh. He said, us Baptists are good actors. But we can act pretty good to about five minutes after twelve. And the act is over then. Laboring in the energy of the flesh. Hey, a few days ago, he could have picked that whole thing up. He cut it out for God. But now he's just going through the motions. Going through the motions. I'm hurrying to a close now. Look at Judges chapter 16, verse number 25. 
The Bible said it came to pass when their hearts were merry. You know the story. They're having a celebration to their god, Dagon. They're giving their idol god credit for capturing Samson. It said that they said, call for Samson that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. Watch this. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand. I, I want to just focus on this lad for a second. Could it possibly be? Would you let me dramatize here and fantasize that maybe this is a Hebrew boy? Maybe this is an Israeli boy. And I can kind of see, they said, hey, boy, aren't you, a, aren't you an Israeli boy? Aren't you a Hebrew? And he said, yes, I am, sir. They said, how would you like to meet the mighty man, Samson? Well, he said, I've heard about Samson, sir. My mom and daddy told me about Samson. They said, come on, boy, I want you to meet your mighty hero. And they go to the prison house. And I can see them enter in and stick the key in the door and begin to turn it. And Samson begins to say, where you at? Where you at? I can't see where you at. And they said, stretch out your hand, Samson. He stretches out his hand. They said, little boy, put your hand in Samson's hand. And the little boy grabs hold of Samson's hand. And they said, come on, Samson, we're taking you to the arena now. You're going to make us sport. You're going to be our joke for the day, our entertainment, our laughter. And they begin to lead him out, that little boy. And I can see the little boy, Samson, stumbles. And the little boy said, be careful, sir, there's a rock there. Sir, you better duck your head, there's a stick there. And I can imagine, now I'm fantasizing, I'm just, I'm reading between the lines. And I see a little Hebrew boy, if you will. He looks up and said, Mr. Samson, did you really kill 30 men barehanded? And a faint smile comes across those sad lips. Samson said, yes, son. Yes, boy, it's when God used to touch me. It's when God used to anoint me. He said, Samson, did you really kill a thousand men with the job over the donkey? Samson said, son, that's when God used to use me. That's when God was for me. And I can almost in my mind's eye imagine that little boy walking a little further and looking up into those darkened eyes and saying, Samson, you're a has-been. You're a used-to-be. You let us down. My mom and daddy told me he was going to deliver us from the bondage of the Philistines. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I don't want to be a has-been used to be preacher. I didn't start out to stop. I want to see the end of a Christian life where there is no end, brother. There is no end to a Christian life. I've got a little old boy, a little old girl. I've got a brother and a sister and a mother, family. I'd sure hate for them to have to walk behind, beside a casket and look down and say, my daddy used to preach. My daddy used to live for God. My daddy used to sing in the choir. My daddy used to teach a Sunday school class. My daddy and my mother used to have the power of God. I'll ask you a question right here. Granddaddy, grandmother, mother, what would our children say about us today if they had to come by and view our bodies? Samson let down the nation of Israel. He let him down. You see, we have a responsibility to the generation that we're ministering to now. What about the next generation? Look at verse number 27. I come to a close. And the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. There were up on the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. Now get this. Now Samson's the type of the church here in that he became sport entertainment for that day. He got that boy, little boy, put him between the pillars. And I can see Samson put his hands there. 3,000 men and women up there laughing, a drunken feast and just wickedness. And they begin to laugh at Samson. 
You know, there's people like Johnny Carson, Phil Donahue, that laugh at the church of the living God. Laugh at old-time religion. And some of you like to watch them. Some of you stay up late at night to watch them. Bunch of heathens. Talk about the church, make light of it. In almost every community, the, the buddy and of every joke is a church or a Christian. Sad to say. Sad to say. I can hear the heathen, is it not? In Psalms 115, verse 2, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? Where is now your God, church? Where is now their God? There he is. They're laughing at him. They're making fun of him. The Bible said, How be it the hair of his head began to grow. Now see Samson as he comes to a stirring conclusion. Down in verse number 28, 29, and 30. Samson makes a prayer. Samson begins to pray. He prayed for strength in verse 28. He said, Oh Lord, oh God, let me be avenged of my two eyes. He said, Lord, let me be avenged of what they've done to me. They've robbed me of my vision. Would to God that we'd go to praying like that. Lord, let me be avenged of whatever that it is in my life that's robbed me of my vision and my power. God, let me get vengeance over that thing. Then Samson prayed. That he might die. This is an unusual prayer here. He began to pray and he said, Lord, he said, strengthen me, I pray thee, that I may be at once to avenge. Verse 28, 29, and Samson took hold the two miller pillars, 30, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Let me die, Lord. And he bowed himself with all of his strength. And God touched him one more time. God touched him. And you know what? Samson slew more at his death than he ever did while he was alive. Samson done more for God when he put Samson to death. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what my problem is? There's too much of me alive. There's too much of me alive. We need the spirit of the altar, the spirit of death to fall on us. Oh, to self-seeking and self-promotion. And the spirit of the altar, the spirit of death to fall upon us. That Christ might be manifested through us. Here he is now, and I see Samson as he bows himself and the rumble comes and the screams and the wailing and the dying and the blood. And I see as the curtain falls upon the story of Samson. But you know, this is not the end of it. One day reading through the book of Hebrews, that great chapter 11, that great hall of faith there, I find the Bible said in time would fail to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Jephthah and of Samson. God put his name in that great hall of faith. Samson got right with God, brother. He got the power back on him once again. And I believe there's hope for the church of the living God in 1991. I believe God can still give that measure of revival. I believe we can still have that revival in the sanctuary, whether they ever have revival out there or not. Here we can have that measure of the revival. What do you see in this tonight? What do you see yourself in this message tonight? Samson, a type of the church. Do you see any trait marks, any characteristics that are quite familiar in your own life? Just that little innocent flirtation with the world. And maybe forfeited our power. They've lost their vision. Let's bow our heads. I'm preaching. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want them to come and play softly tonight. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go now. I trust the Holy Ghost to speak our hearts. Stands in the type of the church. Where do we fit in tonight? Where do we fit in tonight? What about our lives spiritually tonight? Are we walking with God as we've done in days gone by? Are we seeking that life of purity, holiness under the Lord our God? If we be real honest now, what would our children say about us? Would our children say that mom and dad is compromised in truth? Preacher, they backed up on some things they used to stand for. They're watching us, folks. They're looking at us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Wonder if God the Holy Ghost has spoke to anybody tonight. Wonder if God has spoke to anybody. Preacher, I see needs in my life here tonight in this message. We're not careful, folks. We'll begin to drift, take for granted our position and our power and our privilege. I want us to stand our feet, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, God, the Holy Spirit, tonight I pray you'd give the invitation. Lord, I'm not after a fair show in the flesh. Lord, this is a message you laid on my heart and dealt with me this afternoon. Lord, you know I love the church. I love the church, Lord. I pray tonight that you might move on us. Oh, dear God, I'm afraid there's so much of it laboring in the energy of the flesh. We forfeited our power with you, Lord. Would you speak to us tonight? Begin with me, Lord. Oh, God, give the invitation tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's some that have come to pray tonight. Is God the Holy Ghost saying anything to you tonight? What is the Spirit of God saying to you tonight? Do you see some of these characteristics and trait marks of the latter end of Samson beginning in your life, in your home, in my ministry, in your ministry? We need the spirit of the altar to fall upon us. Oh, yes. Except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, if it abideth alone. But if it dieth, it bringeth forth much fruit. I'm going to sing a verse tonight, brother. You just obey God tonight. Think about what you're singing tonight. I believe God has zeroed in tonight on some homes and hearts. I believe God's speaking tonight. Just be obedient to that still small voice. There's others. Can you really say that? I surrender all, Lord.
the word. What about it tonight? What is God saying to us as a church? Do we desire that power of God? That holy walk? What about it? heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm never lengthy in an invitation. I want to ask a question tonight. I'd like to ask for a show of hands of people that can say, Preacher, as far as I know tonight, I've been obedient to the Holy Spirit. As far as I know tonight, Brother Buster, I can leave this church. And I don't feel like I've grieved him tonight. I've not quenched him in the invitation. And God dealing with me, Preacher, I believe I can leave with a clear conscience. Would you slip your hand up high? Take it down now. Oh, what is it that the Lord's talking to us about tonight? You mean to tell me we're going to walk out on him as he deals with us? You mean we're going to do despite to the Spirit of grace and walk out on God dealing with our hearts? I believe God's speaking tonight. I'm not trying to put any undue pressure on you. What are we going to do now? You and I are the part of the church. We are the church. What's God saying? I'm going to sing one more verse. Tell me one more verse, Pastor. Come.